stay tuned for the Renewable Energy Hour coming up next. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Welcome to the Renewable Energy Hour. Good evening, Indonesia. My name is Doug Livingston. I'm the host of the Renewable Energy Hour, and with me is my co-host, Alex Aragon. How are you, Alex? Hey, I'm hosted today, but I'm doing okay. All right. Get a little closer to that microphone. That, oh. that laptop computer microphone. Yeah, it's a tiny little thing. Yeah, you, you've been on the road, I, and you're all worn out from the heat. You were up on the roof in this weather. That's not a good thing. Yeah, it was a bad planning today, so uh, <laughs> alas. Alas, alas. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, we... Somebody had to re the place. You know, I had take to... the panels down, raise go, and put them back up. Uh, ouch. Oh, because they were uh, re-roofing or something? or Yeah, they re-roofed. Uh, somebody put uh, panels on a roof that was already old about 10 years ago. Oh. So, uh, hey, that's a heads up uh, to people. If... if if you're putting your panels on the roof, make sure your roof is in good shape before you put the panels on. Um, Absolutely. Anyhow, Alex was in Sonoma, and I said, Alex, you're not allowed to to not be on the show two shows in a row and make me do it solo again. So I'm, I made him do it on the road. But anyhow, we, we do not have a specific guest tonight, and we do not have a single topic. We do have about six different topics we can talk about, but we'd also like to make people feel free. They can call in at any time to join the conversation on whatever topic we're talking about or bring in their own renewable energy-themed topic at any point along the way. And if you want to join us on, on the air, give us a call at 895-2448. And the thing I wanted to start out with was to say that the CPUC did get a pretty strong turnout from in-person demonstrations in San Francisco and L.A. and uh, in-person uh, testimony or public comments at their at their meeting last week, and uh, and it looks like there's pretty strong backlash. For those of you who aren't aware, they have been making noises since December that they're going to change the rules for, you know, rooftop solar, small grid-connected utility intertide solar that would make it hugely less financially lucrative for anyone to do it and would, in most people in the industry's opinion, pretty much wipe out the residential and small commercial uh, rooftop solar. And, and it doesn't have to be on the rooftop, but grid-connected solar. Um, they often call it rooftop solar, but doesn't have to be on the roof to be affected by the rulings they were proposing. They're proposing, you know, some pretty ridiculous taxes. The first one, um, you know, was 60 to 90 bucks a month just to be connected to the grid with solar feeding onto the grid at any point. Um, and, and that got shouted down and they, you know, they backed off and, and chewed and said, this has got to, this has got to change, says the governor. Something's got to change. He didn't say much else other than that. And, uh, and they've come back with a few changes, uh, 
Some were slight improvements and others were even worse uh, that they were planning on putting a basically a solar tax that, you know, you would get a charge on your utility bill based on how much your solar would have would have made. Uh, so by reducing your consumption from the grid, they're going to charge you extra. Uh, just yeah, I love their analogy that they would be taxing you for the amount of energy you weren't consuming if you decided to hang dry your clothes instead of using the electric dryer. Uh, and that's a pretty good analogy for what they were proposing. Anyhow, uh, if, if you're interested in uh, speaking out or learning what to do about this, there's still time to uh, make your voice heard with the California Public Utilities Commission because they can respond to public outrage. Uh, my favorite website for learning what the best things you can do are is go to the website solarrights.org. Alex, were you trying to say something? Yeah, that that solar tax. I'm kind of bothered with that term, calling it tax, because it's not really a tax. Is it? It's just going back to the utility itself. Yeah, it's going to the utility. It's it's not going. So, to, it's not going to the government. So like, we shouldn't call it a tax. It's it's a fee for making your own solar at home and not consuming power from the grid. Hey, we've got uh, a we've got a call already. Maybe it's pertinent to this very topic. Hello, Kali. You're live on the air. Hey, yeah. Um, I know you're all interested in solar and, of course, the wind going into the grid. <clears throat> but 20, 30, well, now 45 years ago, in junior high school, we did a little experiment, a three-volt uh, battery and a couple of an anode and a diode in water produced hydrogen and oxygen out of the water. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what's going on with hydrogen. I know that they had the bolites about 20 years ago. That was a safe way to store hydrogen. We didn't have to worry about explosions or Hindenburg-type burns. And I'm wondering, what is the state of the art on hydrogen? Well, uh, first, off, first off, I'd like to point out that the film that everyone saw of the Hindenburg burning, that was not hydrogen burning. It was hydrogen. That, it was hydrogen that started the fire, but it was the skin of the, of the dirigible, the blimp I, that yes, was burning. I, I know. I know that. That's not my point. But, my point is, what's the state of the art? In hydrogen it's, fuel it, cells. Uh, the fuel cells are fairly efficient. The problem is they are so damn expensive. Uh, they typically involve platinum or palladium. Um, and that can get the efficiency up there. I'm sort of a fan of a different strategy, not, not shooting for the highest efficiency, which people say, <gasps> but efficiency is the ratio of useful power out to power in. When the power in is sun... It's kind of unlimited, and I'm, I'm not so worried about the ratio. I'm ultimately worried about the cost per kilowatt hour. And, uh, and, well, if and, you and what, panels, what, what you I use solar panels to generate the electricity sure, to separate sure. hydrogen and oxygen and from I, the water, right, right. it's a and, very low cost production. What I and think, there's another storage system. Let, that can I finish my hydrogen, thought? Are hydrogen bolites, which are a mineral. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great metal. that's a great way to store it. But but my strategy, my favorite strategy involving hydrogen, is that we put in more solar than we can use, which we currently aren't doing. It's not cost effective because nobody wants to invest in a plant which they have to shut down any significant percentage of the day because the grid doesn't need it. I want us to put in more solar than we need, and when the plant has to go down, then that big plant. Can I mean, I'm talking the utility-scale plants, which are the ones that would be, I would prioritize, be the first ones to shut down when there's excess solar on the grid and not try to control all the little mini rooftop solar systems. Those systems shift over into producing hydrogen while they're not allowed to send power on the grid because there's no one to consume it. And make the oh, hydrogen an then, and, and you, and you an could, interesting infrastructure model, and you, you can, have to build those panels. Right. Well, I, I, I want. Well, the panels are are sort. We're sort of at the edge in California and in Germany, where, you know, without massive quantities of battery storage, which is what all the talk in the media is right now, which to me is hugely expensive, um, that we just put in the now relatively cheap solar panels in abundance over and above what our demand is sometimes so that the vast majority of the time we can be making 
you know, the vast majority of power from solar, and they, all the plants can be online. But occasionally, there'll be times when, when I've got the demand is lower. In the mail, from, I've got this flyer in the mail from PG&E saying that the state and PG&E will subsidize the construction and and in, uh, uh, construction and implication. It's a word I'm looking for. Implementation. Solar power uh, of solar power in people's homes, especially those that have mobile homes or uh, factory-built homes, and they'll pay for it all. But then, does that mean that this 60 to to $80 charge is a fee from the PG&E? And certainly not a tax. It doesn't go to the state. No, it doesn't go to the state. But it does go to PG&E. Yes. So yeah. But, you, so they'll build your solar power system, and, and read, but they're going to tax. They're going to feed the hell out of you. Read read those pamphlets carefully. I believe you will see that you will have to buy. You will have to have batteries in order to qualify for for their subsidies. And even then, I have known very few people who have actually qualified for them. Alex, are you aware of people successfully getting money from PG&E or the state for putting in solar lately? From the state or uh, PG&E? Uh, tax credits. Oh, cool. No, no. The only the no, only actually, the, the only funds we see coming in are coming from the feds in a federal tax credit. Ah, uh, there. So there, the card is. There are the some. Card is really like a. It's like a lost leader. Say, look here. Here, this is free in one hand, and in the other, they're reaching in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, it's PG&E. But anyhow, to, to finish yeah. my thought is is they can take that hydrogen and mix it into the existing Pacific gas and electric gas lines and enrich the uh, the energy of, of the gas, reduce the amount of fossil methane that they're using, and have a cleaner burning fuel with no carbon dioxide output from the, at least the hydrogen there's an idea that did not cross my mind. They could actually cut the natural gas with hydrogen. Exactly, and they're actually got a couple of pilot plants doing this in Ohio right now. Oh, great. Well, thanks. I'll turn back on the radio. <laughs> All right. Ciao. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. So, uh, what what's going to happen, Alex? What do you think if uh, if... The proposals, the way they were being uh, sounded out by the CPUC, actually go through. You know, do you think that'll really kill rooftop solar? I, I think it's going to kill a big part of the market, but I think it's going to encourage some people to, to just kind of go off grid. To go off grid, what they call grid defection, and you don't have to yes. go all the way off the grid. You just have to uh, have a system that can't send power back onto the grid and then you avoid all these charges. So you can... Yeah, you can basically set up an operating system to use the grid as a backup generator. Right, right. And and do you have to have special equipment to do that or do you have to wire it in a particular way to make that happen? A lot of the new equipment with uh, battery based inverters and solar, uh, solar uh, generation, uh, a lot of them are able to do that just with using different settings. Um, mm-hmm. I can set up a system so that it will primarily just use the solar power and it will only use the grid once the batteries get low. Yeah. And and, and, just like like if you're off grid using a generator for his backup, it would be the same sort of thing. My nervousness is if it depends on how the system is programmed, will PGE say all you have to do is program it a different way and cheat and not let your system work that way? Yeah, and they say, oh, no, you cannot connect to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, that's going to be the the gorilla side of solar again. I think if they do that. Yeah. Um, well, well, another possibility is to actually wire it such that your equipment can't possibly sell back to the grid to to have a a battery based grid tied system that uh, that it's not grid tied that actually you know only can put out on your isolated sub panel and can't put out to the main panel. Uh, so you, uh, people would have to install a new a new breaker panel and move all their circuit breakers off of the main panel to the breaker panel if they want to really run the whole house, everything in it. Yeah, a few, a few years ago, the the main gear that we were using had a input that was a generator only input a lot of the times, and it could not sell back the utility. Uh, but now the stuff's becoming smart enough that you can program it uh, to do whatever you want. So, yeah, it's something they're going to have to deal with. Something's going to have to come up and be a, 
I bet you the probably be litigated. I bet you the rules are not written there, but it can be it can be rewired so that your system could absolutely not ever sell power back to the grid, and you could absolutely insist they not charge you this tax. Um, well, in, uh, on the island of Kauai in Hawaii, there's uh, actually specific uh, rules they have there for solar systems, and if you look at inverter manuals uh, in their programming, there's actually a Kauai uh, setting. Which makes so it does not feed back to the grid, uh, and they've, hey, they've managed to like figure out that you can actually program the systems and trust people to uh, have things programmed appropriately so it doesn't sell back to the utility. But uh, you know, here in California, I don't know if we can do that. Yeah, well, it's PG&E. They got lawyers and money. Money. <laughs> um, and another way I'd like to point out if this does go through, I would I would encourage people to putting their systems right now because I have a feeling they're going to be another three months before they make a decision to do anything. They got so much feedback on their second attempt to screw us and screw solar um, that it's going to be a while before they make a third attempt. Um, I think they're going to back off on doing anything in the immediate. Uh, and even if they do something in the immediate, uh, putting in a system now, they were still talking about uh, in the most recent proposal, you know, basically allowing you under the old rules for 15 years and then changing the rules on you where you then get taxed and whatnot. Uh, and and so it's still a reasonable thing to put in a solar system right now. Don't be scared off by this possible rule change because you'll still have reasonable rules. Their original one was for eight years, but, but their second round, they were talking 15 years uh, under, under rules very similar to what we already have. Uh, pretty much net metering. I think they w shouldn't be allowed to call it net metering if they change the rules the way they were proposing it. Net energy metering, NEM. They should call it net dollar meeting, metering or something after they change the rules the way they proposed. Um, but you could put in uh, a system that you could very easily add batteries later. And uh, if you're not wired right in your house, you could rewire things so that all the most important loads in your house are fed by a battery-based or, or an AC coupled system that's a, sorry geek talk but there are a number of ways where it's fairly easy now to add batteries after the fact now how often do you do that these days Alex to add batteries onto an existing non-battery system oh you disappeared Oops. depends on what equipment they have already how I go about that there's a lot of systems that uh, we can just Wow, Skype Skype is Skype is getting foggy or your hotel internet connection is bogged down. That was hard to hear. Uh, I must have a poor connection. Oh, yeah, that was fine. We heard that. Oh. Hey, I want to give out the governor's number one more time here. All right, do it. That was one of the things right, that yeah. solarrights.org encouraged you to do. Call in and say pressure the CPUC not to do what they're talking about doing. Yeah, so call them from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. I'm going to give the number here in just a second. So uh, I called them on the solstice. Solstice, by the way, everybody. Well, um, they wanted, they wanted to get 937 or something calls that day to the governor because that was how many minutes or... I don't know. I was what? one of them. Yeah. Uh, the lines are definitely uh, busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, the phone number, though, is 916-445-2841. That's 916-445-2841. And when you call, you get a little menu, you know, a little menu tree. Uh, you know, if you want to leave a message, you want to wait and talk to her. Uh, so I was busy working for the um, so whatever you have time for, uh, you know, give them a call on Benson's here. You're right. Yeah. And they'll even give you some talking points at solarrights.org. And if you miss the number, they've got it there too. And, uh, I expect that the next, yeah. the next public meeting of the California Public Utility Commission, they would encourage you to call in and make a comment there too. We got another call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. 
Yes, hi. This is Johanna. Hi, hey. how are you? Hey, how are you, Johanna? Fellow programmer. Oh, hanging in there in this the heat. Hey, because you're talking about solar energy, I wanted to share some information that I just saw on the on the Coast Listserv this afternoon, which strikes me as amazing, and it comes from a person who's done reputable posts before, so I think this is this is good information. So they they drive an electric vehicle, and uh, they charged their electric vehicle at Costco the other day, um, and they got they say they got forty eight miles worth of juice for a dollar forty cents. Um, if they had done the same thing in an average miles per gallon compact car, getting about twenty four miles to the gallon, that gas would have cost between eleven and thirteen dollars for the forty eight miles. Huge, huge, yeah. And that's that was one of our multiple topics. You're you're jumping the gun on us, Johanna. That was one of our topics we were going to address later. Oh, good. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sort of priming the interest. Then. Yeah, prime the pump. That's a, that's a good one to talk about uh, in our supply yes. chain universe here. Yes, carry on. Okay. Uh, all right, thanks. Do you want to talk sure. about that right now, Alex? Oops. Well, yeah, yeah, I was uh, visiting with some relatives. Uh, might need to call me on my phone. All right. Uh, well, you're so coming. not going to keep said. You're coming through okay right now. I'll let you know next time it starts getting fuzzy. All right. Yeah, so I had a conversation with a kind of a, a distant relative who uh, isn't so hippie, but uh, he was complaining about gas prices. And so I was talking to him about electric vehicles and how much cheaper they can be. So if you can set up a solar system at 15 cents per kilowatt hour, you're driving an electric vehicle that gets three miles per kilowatt hour, you're driving five cents per mile and what what's a typical uh, gas vehicle run uh, mpg it's six dollars a gallon oh i'm gonna i'm gonna have to call you alex quarter the price for electricity you're, you're dropping out again so uh let me take a momentary musical break and i'll get alex on the phone so we don't have the 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 hotel internet wi-fi bottleneck Skype, and I'll just type in if I have something to say. <laughs> you're there. You're there. I'm here. Uh, you weren't on the phone, but you're on the board and on the air. Sorry for oh. that uh, long delay um, and probably some dead air while I wasn't paying attention to the music theme song. Uh, but we had some trouble with the phone lines. And now our phone lines are full, so let me take a phone call. All right. Oh. That caller didn't hang on. And we just had two more callers. Call back, caller. Um, so we were going to talk about, we were talking about the relative price of uh, operating a gas-powered vehicle versus an electric-powered vehicle. Yeah. $6 per gallon and 30 miles per gallon is 20 cents per mile. And that's, that's, just, uh, the, that's just the gas. Just the gas. And what's the electricity cost? If you're doing 15 cents per kilowatt hour, which you can by installed solar, you can do three miles per kilowatt hour, so you can do five cents a mile on an electric car. That's a pretty big difference. And and guess what? They they look at the long-term costs of operating the two different vehicles and not even counting the fuel, the electricity or the gas. It's a huge difference in operating a combustion vehicle versus an electric vehicle. There's... You know, there's one substantial cost, you know, 10 years in, and that's replacing your batteries or whatever. You know, depends on how you drive it. Um, but you, with an electric vehicle, you don't have to replace that muffler. You don't have to get those oil changes. You don't have to replace your brake pads, but, you know, a tenth is often because you're using regenerative braking for most of your braking instead of mechanical friction most of the time, although they still have mechanical friction pads, if you put your brake all the way down, there's a long list of things that you don't have to pay for um, in the long-term maintenance. And and there are electric vehicles that aren't very expensive, and uh, you get tax credits besides. Like the Nissan Leaf, for instance, has a starting price of like 28425 $28, And you could get a uh, federal tax credit on that. 
It's uh, about $2,500, I believe. Uh, uh, well, and they're talking about bumping up the the federal tax credit for electric vehicles again. Yeah. There's the Mini Cooper, which is, starts a little over 30000 Uh Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different cars. Uh, you can buy used EVs, too, of course. There's the Chevy Bolt EV, um, Mazda MX-30. Uh, that's a thirty-five thousand dollar car, approximately. Um, and what's, Honda, what, what's a what's a you know comparable combustion gas car cost these days? Brand new. I don't buy new cars, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm more familiar with trucks myself because yeah. of work. But okay. I've been wanting to do. Yeah. Well, what's the what's, what's the price point on the Lightning? It starts with about I think it's forty-two, forty-two thousand. And by the way, that's that's an all-wheel drive vehicle. All-wheel drive, and it has an inverter that can run your home during a power outage. Right. And uh, they they have two different battery sizes for that, though. They have a 98-kilowatt-hour and a 131-kilowatt-hour. They're saying they can get about a 300-mile range on those. On the, on, on the big bank. Yeah, an all-wheel drive. Hey. Uh, yeah, I, wondered, I, don't know how, I don't have a price for that model, but that's a very uh, practical vehicle there. Right. Well, also keep in mind when whenever they talk about range, they're talking about up to, which implies right. implies not freezing cold weather and not driving mountains. So uh, around here, we don't have to deal with the freezing cold nearly as much as some parts of the country, but we sure will reduce our range if we're you know driving from valley to another valley over over the grades. That that does reduce your range. Yeah, Volkswagen has a little, like, you know, modern, not quite SUV, little egg-shaped car that's called the ID4. Uh, it's a 2022 vehicle. It's, it's about 42,000. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's, they're making a lot of ones that are, like, kind of the SUV-type vehicles now. And, uh, what, what's an F-150 combustion gas truck cost? Oh, gosh, uh Depending on options, they're up around uh, 40, 40 to fifty, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah. I think you can get base model ones a little bit less. Well, I expect you know your standard, you know, Honda, you know, Honda Civic. That that can't be much less than thirty grand, can it? These days, I don't know. I haven't priced them. I'll have to check that out. All right. Well, it's nice to. Nice to see the comparison. Anyhow, uh, if you're really upset about the gas prices and you've got good credit, go get an electric car. We're starting to see charging stations in in enough places, and you can charge at home. Uh, most families are a two-car house. If you're worried about that vacation where you're driving across open country and no charger zone, which I think will soon go away, such places... Um, then, then you make you get one one combustion vehicle. Hopefully, uh, it's a hybrid, um, and one uh, that's electric for your regular daily travels. Because most people's travels, an electric vehicle has no problem going out into the field and coming back home and charging at home. And if you got solar, hey, hey, hey! Absolutely, we're driving <laughs> on sunshine. Woo-hoo. So. I have been setting up uh, off-grid systems that are, uh, you know, intended to charge electric vehicles too. In fact, uh, I had a, uh, I have a client that called me up today because I, I often call her when I see anomalies on her power system. She said, "Oh, I'm charging the, I'm charging the car today." Yeah, on these ones where I can access my clients. Uh, data online and see what's going on when I was worried about something uh, and, and look and say, well, that was interesting and made a joke to one that, you know, I've been spying on you. Yeah, you almost can in some cases. Actually, uh, she uh, she rents out her uh, place. It's a, it's a big ranch that has a pretty large system on it. And, uh, that's, the vehicle, that's the one where she was charging an EV. But she also has it kind of as a event Airbnb type thing and they had it uh, rented out to a party of like 20 people or something like that. So they're using a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, when they were getting ready to leave, uh, she looked up the app on- online and said, oh, you left one of the air conditioners on. 
I said, oh, no, he didn't. I said, oh, yes, he did. Some more. Please, please walk and check it out. They went and found it. And sure enough, one of the one of the mini splits that was feeding the back, one of the back rooms was still left on and was operating. And <laughs> she could tell because of the power usage on the app. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty big and sophisticated system. Most people won't have something that crazy. But you can actually have a small system that's that sophisticated too. Um, that's small and in the neighborhood of less than thirty thousand dollars to set up a, a to, complete system. Do you have to put little CTs on each of these circuits for the system to know about them, or do they have Wi-Fi built into the appliance? It's built into the appliance now. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the solar converter is really, really good at doing this. Um, if you're interested in uh, checking those out. Yeah, uh, I, I just specified my first solar converter. Yeah, it's really come a long ways. Uh, stuff's getting better and better, and just less and less worry. Um, well, well, that was another another one of my topics. Sort of leads into that idea. Going back to our earlier discussion about what if the CPUC does change the rules? Keep in mind, you could put in a solar direct system, meaning no batteries, and. You know, even on their first proposal, you would have, you know, pretty much the old deal for another eight years. And then they would turn the screws on you and uh, start charging the, uh, start reducing the amount you're credited for your excess kilowatt hours. And at that point, you might say, screw this. I want to put in batteries and store my excess and use use it when the sun's not going. And only draw yeah. only draw from the grid when you know my batteries are getting low and and the sun's not shining. And the solar arc is a great one for that because it can you can install it straight up. It's it its charge controllers uh, can work with batteries or feed the power straight to the inverter part of the system. And you can easily add batteries and or a generator at any time down the road. They've got a new version coming out, too, a larger one, a 15-kilowatt version. It's got a built-in 200-amp transfer switch in it. So you can back up an entire house uh, panel. You don't have to break off smaller things into sub-panels, uh, you know, as long as you, can, as long as you can separate your meter from your load panel. Uh, but you can back up an entire house with just one inverter unit now. It's the whole thing going through. Uh, it's really, really coming a long ways. It's uh, just getting easier and easier. One thing I would like to point out in their vocabulary uh, on their current model, the the twelve kilowatt one, it's really only a nine kilowatt inverter. Right. Um, when they say it's a twelve kilowatt thing, it's that that the inverter can be sent in nine kilowatts to the house or the grid and or the grid, and you could have as much as another three kilowatts coming into your batteries from the solar. So their solar side's a little bigger than their inverter side of that yeah, equipment. Have. So I, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about how they named it a 12 and a 15 kilowatt when it's really probably a 9 and a 12 kilowatt inverter on board. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't got my hands on the new one yet, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're specking out one for uh, install soon here, so I'll report back when we get that. So what have what have you been seeing on the supply chain front? Have you been seeing different types of products that you're having a hard time getting? Uh, we've talked a while back about how lead acid batteries were just one of the supply chain bugaboos. Yeah, well, I haven't been buying any of those lately. So <laughs> the uh, the thing that's that's weird is uh, solar panels. When you quote them, you don't know for sure if the same ones are going to be available yep. by the time you install. Yeah, I've been I've been doing that dance with people that no, you don't want to you don't want to order them until you get your permit and when you get your permit, you want to make sure it's a panel that your supplier said was going to be available next month. You want to make sure your racking is going to work with that new size panel that you have to use and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't want to have to completely redesign the system and redo the permit because the panel you designed it around wasn't available. And and I've, I've encountered that a lot, although I'm expecting that to decrease because uh, Biden is lifting um, the tariff and, yeah. and, and the ban on... You know, what was originally a a tariff and ban on Chinese-made panels got broadened out to a number of Southeast Asian countries, which were basically taking Chinese product. I mean, Chinese were manufacturing in these other countries, and and the U.S. decided, hey, that qualifies for our original tariff. And 
And uh, the Biden administration is lifting that tariff. So we might see an easing on the shortage of solar panels that we've been seeing. And, and that might cause uh, the prices to drop a little bit. You know, That'll be nice. Yeah, I, I, I do wish China would play fair in how it subsidizes its industry to compete on the global market. But personally, if they want to help pay for our solar panels... I don't mind. It does hurt someone who wants to manufacture PV in the U.S., uh, but at the moment, we employ, you know, and, and in all of history, you know, we've never come close to employing the number of people in PV production as we have in PV installation, and I want to see PV being installed everywhere, right and left, as fast as possible, as cheap as possible, and personally, I don't mind if the Chinese are fudging a little bit and making it cheaper for us. Uh, yeah. You, you know what is insane right now, though, is wire costs. Yeah, wire, wire cost has gone crazy. Also, I've, I'm frequently installing uh, ground mounts with... Uh, you know, galvanized pipes, and those have gone up pretty crazy. Have you experienced that? Yeah, I had to buy a galvanized, a two-inch, 21-foot steel pipe, which uh, several years ago I was disturbed when it got over $80 for a 21-foot stick. I just bought one uh, this week for, uh, last week, for uh, $265. That was from Friedman's in Ukiah. They used to have the low price. And that's a two-inch galvanized pipe? Yep. $260. And uh, today, down in uh, Sonoma in Santa Rosa, yeah, it used to be able to go to Friedman's or you know, wherever and just go in and pick up what I'm looking for. Uh, today, I could not find three-quarter inch EMT conduit. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. So I, went, I checked at several places and finally had to get it from Home Depot. They had they had 12-6 at uh, the Roner Park at the Home Depot and... I couldn't find it other places. You had to go to home despot. Yep, afraid so. I try to avoid that, but yeah, oh, well, understood. Oh, wow. if, if you can't get it anywhere else, but God, three quarter inch EMT conduit is standard stock item at any box. Hell, yeah. I mean that's standard stock item at you know Anderson Valley hardware stores. Right, absolutely. It's uh, something that should be everywhere. Uh, also, just if you go looking for fittings, like there's there's just often one thing that's missing of some part that you are used to be able to get and you need, and suddenly it's not there anymore. And okay. that's just kind of been the way it has been for you know the COVID years, and it's still it's still happening basically. All right. Oh, so it's the mainstream stuff more than the exotic stuff, uh, except for the solar panels. Are you are you has seen shortages in any of the? you know, sophisticated electronics like the charge controllers and the inverters? Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. It seems to me like those have, you know, they're always talking about the uh, the microchip supply chain problem that's holding up cars and stuff. Why, why are the inverter companies able to do that so well? Yeah, I wonder about that too. I wonder if they're just using the... I mean, they just don't use as many. I mean, you know, I have no idea how many chips there are and in, in inverters and stuff there's got to be a lot of them but maybe they just aren't using the you know the same ones that like car the cars are using or something i just put on or or their their particular province in china was not shut down right um anyhow if you would like to call and join the conversation i haven't prompted people you're welcome to call in at 895-2448 and talk about any of our previous topics or perhaps you got a new topic of your own we got uh, about 15 minutes left to talk renewable energy and uh we've at least cursorily covered uh our six topics uh i would encourage people if they're looking at uh fighting the cpu decision to go to solarrights.org for some advice on how to fight back Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi there. Um, do you know anybody that's coordinating uh, doing new roofs and photovoltaic at the same time, and then if anything goes wrong, like a leak, you make one call? Oh, well, typically uh, uh, a solar installer can install uh, the the roofer can remove the shingles you're talking about reshingling yeah 
Um, or the, the roofer can remove the shingles and the solar installer can come in and put in standoffs on the sheathing directly and the roofer will come back and put on the flashing and integrate the shingles and, and the leaks are on the roofer. Okay. That's, that's, that's a common practice. Okay, and that, that applies to panels also that are on, uh, you know, rails or whatever you call them? Yeah, well, the, the rails would attach to those standoffs that the roofer flashed. And so the, 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 the solar installer would come back after the shingles are put in and, the, mm-hmm. and the, the, the flashing on the standoffs was installed by the roofer. Um, sometimes the solar installer puts the, the flashing on uh, and the roofer will, okay. will, will integrate the shingles with those familiar products that he's familiar with and he'll put his standard, his standard warranty on it. Um, okay. Uh, talk to, talk to both of them and, and you can coordinate that timing. The, the issue is that the solar installer has to come out twice. He has to come out once mm-hmm. to put in the standoffs on the day that the, after the roofer has removed the shingles and the roofer has to come back. So that may add a little bit to your cost, but but it's a, a fairly common practice that the roofer is willing to to uh, do a standard warranty if the if the standoffs are applied to the bare roof sheathing. Now, if the if the solar installer drills through the the existing shingles to put his attachments in, the leaks are going to be on the solar installer. Okay. There, there are. Such good products now for uh, retrofitting the roofs that I would rather use them than uh, standoffs, flash standoffs. Um, if you want to look up online, uh, if you put into Google, just put uh, PV space and quick mount. Yeah, quick, uh, quick mount's one of my favorite retrofit products, but that doesn't address the, the caller's question that if there's a leak, it's on the solar installer with the quick mounts. But you're right. not, you're not going to have a leak. Yeah, no, it's, it's just such high quality. Uh, the way the way they're doing it now is just so seamless. It's it's great. The only uh, times I'd start to be a little concerned is uh, if someone did improper installation in a heavy snow zone. Uh, you can have some where it can um, where it can leach back up uh, that sort of thing. But yeah. you know, if you're not talking about packed snow for months at a time, I don't. I haven't ever seen a leak. Yeah, with the, I've, I've seen surprising. Surprisingly few leaks from uh, solar on the roof. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. doing surveys early on and was kind of astounded how rare it happened. That said, I did encounter one client where the California Energy Commission had me out surveying things for just to see how their rebate program was going in the early days of the solar rebate, and they threw in a handful of problem contractors who had received a exorbitant number of complaints. and. One of the problem contractors, I, I had, you know, five choices of houses to go to of each of the problem contractors, and I had to pick three of them. And one of the ones for one of the contractors that caused 11 leaks on the roof. Oh, yeah. What type uh, of standoff? There wow. weren't standoffs. It was, he was putting on L brackets and, and silicon caulking around the lag bolts oh. through the shingles. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually saw lots of people who did that and didn't have any leaks. This this contractor was a problem. I saw some other stuff he did that was just crazy. I mean, he, he needed to have his license revoked. <laughs> but actually, to his credit, he came back three times until all the leaks were fixed. Okay. This this last system I just took part for the re-roof uh, was, done, was a horrible installation, whoever put it in. I don't know what the company was. Uh, but uh, they did not have any roof leaks. Uh, they used the flashings, and even even a bunch of knuckleheads who couldn't do anything else right, they managed to seal the roof yeah. uh, properly. <laughs> so. It's a surprisingly rare phenomenon. It was something I was I was awfully worried about at the beginning of the grid tie era because before the grid tie era, most solar was going on to mounts that were down on the ground for off grid <laughs> people, and once it started going up on the roof, that was a worry to me and. And I, I was just blown away at how rare roof leaks were. Yeah. Um, you know, we put in hundreds of systems. Cool. We've never had a single leak. <laughs> you never checked back. <laughs> well, and, the, and this was back in the days when they were using just L brackets, lags through the shingle. Yeah. And, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look up quick mounts. Uh, 
it's that's something that's uh that's a real reasonable retrofit product and there are a couple of knockoff products i know uh uh, There's a lot. Uh, Iron Ridge has something that's you know very similar to the original Quick Mount product. Those are those are highly reliable retrofits where you don't have to time the the roofing and the solar install together. But if you want if you want a proper roofer's warranty, you can put in the standoffs on the bare sheathing after the roof the shingles are off. And mm-hmm. let the let the roofer come back, and and he will do. He's he's used to seeing the the typical flashings that are used, um, and flashing around conduit and things like that. And he's doing the same thing around these standoffs, and and will give his standard, you know, thirty year warranty or whatever it is. Okay, thanks. Sure enough, thanks for the call. Bye. Coming down to the wire, want to give us a call at eight nine five two four four eight if you want to. Join in our previous conversations or start a new one on the renewable energy front. Uh, coming up, uh, what's our plant of the night on the... Uh, I've forgotten the name of our big mountain in the county. Brain drain. Begins with a T. Gee. Um <laughs> What are you talking about? I, I'm, ta- I, I'm talking about the local... Uh, uh, Native Plant Society, the uh, oh. the oh no, it's Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin branch of the Northern California or California Native Plant Society. They do the little two-minute snippet between our show and uh, and Radiogram, and okay. tonight that little snippet is on Chaparral Clementis Maricela, which by that long fancy name I don't know it. It may have another name, which I know it by, but that's coming up uh, right at 8 o'clock. And right after that, we'll have uh, Jamie Roberts with Radiogram with some spoken word and some fun music. And we're actually going to drop out several minutes early to give time for uh, a change in the captain's seats. There's Jamie right there. Uh, So we'll play a little music while we do the musical chairs dance. But we still got time for another call, 895-2448. Somebody's got experience with the with driving their electric car, what their price per mile has been on whatever their source of electricity. Yeah, I'm interested in the different kilowatt different miles per kilowatt hour in different vehicles. Well yeah, what what the 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 kilowatt hour per mile gas mileage is, yeah. so to speak. Um, where do you where do you drive and what do you drive? What what numbers do you see? So, I'm always looking for more feedback like that. Well, I'd also be curious about anyone who's got a, a an early electric vehicle. You know, are you getting near the end of your battery life? Have you had to replace the batteries? How much did that cost? Yeah, have you anybody who's bought a used Tesla too? I'm curious about that. How's your uh, state of charge your state of health of your battery yeah, or used or used plug-in hybrid or even a used non-plug-in hybrid how did those turn out anyhow doesn't look like anybody's biting no. 895-2448 i'm going to go back to keep telling people to go to solarrights.org so you can bug the governor or the cpuc on the proposed new rule changes for rooftop solar but here we have a brave person several Ooh, here's another Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, Doug. It's Hanek, and I have a direct answer to the question you just posed. Oh, which one? About, about how, how things turned out in terms of, you know, experience in cost in the last few years if you drove an EV. Uh-huh. Um, again, this is not my information. I'm quoting from the person who posted that, that I quoted earlier about the cost of uh, how much cheaper the EV is compared to gas to run. One of the other things that they said in their post was that they have driven EVs for about nine years, and all they've ever had to replace are tires and windshield wipers. No <laughs> brakes even in all that time. Well, they probably bought some windshield wiper fluid, too. <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> for, for $2 a gallon once every six months. Right, and so so what they write is that even if an EV initially seems a little pricey over the long term, they say it's a lot cheaper. Oh, it's way cheaper. You know, every every study 
does that looks at that. It's way cheaper. Uh, another interesting contrast is what the uh, environmental costs of the two are. And typi- yeah. typically, the embodied energy and the emitted uh, carbon emissions associated with production of the EV are higher than the combustion vehicle, mostly because of the batteries. Uh, but but in terms of the amount of carbon emissions they reduce, even running straight off of you know ninety percent coal electricity, they end up substantially lower in the long run. In fairness, you have to also take into consideration the fact that that it is initially a very high threshold. Even buying a used EV is a high threshold for a lot of people. Mm-hmm especially if you're not in the market for a car loan or if, you know, a car loan is, like, like just not in the budget for you. And, uh, and and the other thing is, you know, if you have a perfect, like, I have a perfectly good Subaru, you know, 2003, you know, that I plan to drive until it doesn't drive anymore because I feel irresponsible just, you know, letting it, letting it like, uh, you know, putting it out to pasture before it's, before, Before all the it's energy dead. and it is used up, right? Well, yeah. uh, most cars, uh, you know, you've 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 spent more energy on the road than the embodied energy within the first couple of years. And so, if it really right. if it really is a crappy old car that has bad gas mileage, it's the good environmental thing to do is retire it, despite the embodied energy that's still in it. But if it's still decent. Mileage, I understand, and, and like I said, I mean, I don't know what the price of a new car is because I haven't bought a new car in forty years. I guess but my point is, you know, if you have a used car that runs well and is well taken care of, and you don't have a car payment, you know, having this all of a sudden, you know, and and the it's it's just it's still it's still a big step. That's all. It I'm is. To it say. is. I understand, you know. and yep. and I did try to put that if you, yeah, if you got a decent credit rating and and can afford it. Consider it, and especially if uh, Biden puts out the seventy-five hundred dollar tax credit, might make it more within reach for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Hey, thanks for the okay. numbers. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye. Quick, quick reminder that uh, if you are into classic vehicles, you can retrofit electric uh, power into old classic cars. A lot of uh, a lot of manufacturers are actually creating kits. So if you have old an old uh, Chevy or Ford truck or an old, uh, you know, hot rod like a Camaro or a Mustang. There's there's electric plants you can uh, retrofit back into them. And you'll be, even higher, you'll, higher performance. you'll be able to accelerate even faster. Yes, faster and quieter. Maybe, that might not be a thing. You might be able to get the, uh, the Mendocino College crew to do that for you. Absolutely, sign up for classes. They're going to have an EV program next year, and and uh, maybe the maybe and maybe even some retrofit classes. It would be possible. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good night. Good night. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX Philo ninety point seven FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah ninety one point five FM, and Fort Bragg at eighty eight point one FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. <laughs>